In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Counter. We have just finished most of Week 16 in the NFL, and we're here to chat about whatever we learned and what the future looks like. And I don't know, whatever whatever <laughs> these guys want to talk about. Stephen Ruiz and Charles McDonald joining me. We are uh, we're some NFL writers for for the win, uh, guys. How are you? How how how's your holiday season been? Festive? Uh, it was good. It was festive. I feel like. T- today i feel like i'm kind of limping to the finish line you know it's a such a great weekend off uh ate a lot of food uh drank my fair share of alcohol and uh, i woke up this this fine monday morning with uh like four percent of my brain working so uh, <laughs> nice. I, I, I think that the holiday went well for me then where are you usually at like 10 percent, 12 I'm usually at a good like yeah, twelve to fifteen percent, <laughs> and uh, we're we're knocking it down to four today. So I don't know. Your stuff was pretty good, it was pretty clean. I'm impressed with your your four percent brain. Thank you, is, thank is, you. Is that a shot at me? Is my stuff not clean by comparison? I, I mean, I don't. Your brain can't be uh, measured. I don't think, Stephen. You've just. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, I'll say this: I did not watch one minute of football on Saturday. I refuse to watch. I'm not going to play the NFL sick games and watch these these games on like Friday and Saturday. I'm sorry, I refuse. Yeah, is I there a game on Friday? Uh, yes, whatever. Christmas. Really. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even realize. A couple of NFL experts here. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I watched. Uh, I tried to watch that the Cardinals Forty ers game, but Cliff Kingsbury and Jeff Bezos just let me down so bad. Like <laughs> the, the the stream that I had on the Prime account, I was on my mom's Prime account to watch the game, and it froze like four times before halftime. And then when I finally got to stop freezing, Cliff was just throwing these dink dunk passes down the field. That were so boring to watch. So I, I really felt like I kind of wasted my entire like three hour window on, on Saturday trying to watch that crappy game. And I couldn't even do that. I don't know. It just sounds like karma, man. That's just sort of what you get for trying to, to watch Saturday football. Yeah, that's on you. That's that you can't blame Bezos and Kingsbury. Bezos probably sensed that you were on somebody else, someone else's uh, prime account and was, was not having it. He's like, you have buy your own. I need money in my pockets. Yeah, Bezos, he's he's hurting, man. Yeah, it's been it's been rough for him. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, I guess. Uh, we're gonna dig in on. Uh, Stephen just dropped his Monday NFL take dump, uh, and so he's got some takes on the Ravens, the Chiefs, uh, what the Dolphins should do in the draft. The Dolphins, remember, have the Texans' number one pick, which is currently sitting at number three. Uh, Steven's also going to declare the Seahawks 
fraudulent. Uh, Char- Charles is going to dig in on the NFC East mess. Uh, I don't know how much we really have to say about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the Browns and then Mitch Trubisky. Man, let's talk. Let's really get deep on the Mitch Trubisky tape and the uh, the analytics. Uh, there is a lot of discourse about this. And I guess, Stephen, you wrote this last week and we didn't get to talk about it. But Stephen has weighed in. He's probably going to weigh in again on whether or not the Bears should make any sort of long-term commitment to a quarterback who spent three years being awful and has been okay for the last four games. And now everyone's in love with him. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We're going to... Uh, Offer our thoughts on the MVP race, which seems to be down to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. And then we'll uh, look at the full playoff picture going into week 17, final week of the season. Been quite a season. Uh, And (laughs) if you uh, followed the Browns mess this weekend, uh, you'll know that COVID is continuing to play uh, a huge part in how things are unfolding. The Browns ended up with no wide receivers and lost to the Jets. Uh, and who knows what what week seventeen will give us on the COVID front? Uh, so let's uh, let's jump right into the takes from Stephen. Uh, you, uh, Stephen, I feel like you never wavered on the the. Ra- I, in fact, I think you wrote that that you never wavered on the Ravens, um, and and thought that this was coming, but. Uh, it, it feels to me like you your tone has changed a little bit, whereas you were believing in the Ravens because you thought they had a, a nice long-term future and that this year might be washed out. Uh, sounds to me like maybe the, you're seeing them as a potential dark horse of sorts as we get into the playoffs. Yeah, like I consider anybody that's not the Chiefs, a, like they have to be a dark horse because right. I don't consider any of them <laughs> of the other team's contenders. But just watching them the last month, they the offense at least – I know the defense has kind of been banged up and they've lost Mm -hmm. some guys due to COVID, but the offense has looked like what it looked like last year. Like the explosive runs are back. They're moving the ball with ease on the ground. I think that's opening up things in the passing game. Now the passing game is not nearly as explosive as it was a year ago, but I think it's getting there at least like Lamar looks a little more comfortable. People are actually catching passes from him now, which is a change from a month ago. Right. And I mean, I really think it came down to, their decision not to try to replace Nick Boyle. And instead of finding another tight end to bring onto the field, who wasn't very good at catching the ball, they just decided to replace him with the receiver. And I think it's opened up so much, especially in the run game. Like a big thing with the run game is just having space and numbers in the box. And I think that taking Nick Boyle, who was basically uh, an extra tackle, who was wearing a number in the eighties, taking him off the field, I think it's improved the offense a lot. Yeah. They also, I mean, they've been benching Mark Ingram. I mean, it just seems like they sort of figured out uh, what they wanted to do on offense. It's it's weird, but as you point out, because of the Nick Boyle injury, like they sort of said, well, we're going to spread it out and and just live or die this way, and it has worked. Uh, Charles, did you get to watch much of the Ravens? What what do you think about where this team is at right now? Uh, you know, it's it's. I think it's just good to see that the offense is clicking, not just the offense, but like you said, the passing game specifically is is clicking again. And yeah, I, I agree with all those observations. I, I just think that uh, I'm not sure if we talked about it since I've been here, but the Ravens offense just I didn't know if it was if it was going to be something they figured out this off se- this season or during the off season, but right. uh, it just seemed like they were just 
you know, due, due to like their own negligence this offseason and to uh, due to injuries in the offensive line, they just seem like very discombobulated. And at least, you know, they're not that death machine offense we saw last year that was scoring on like at least like a field goal every single drive. Uh, but, you know, you've got uh, what are we now? Uh, they had three games of at least 30 points, two games, at least 40 points in the last four games. Uh, 27 gets you almost a 30 again. I mean, the offense, they've definitely started to figure things out. And, uh, you know, like this, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team or anything, but uh, if they get into the playoffs and they get a chance to play like Pittsburgh, that's a matchup that they can win right now. Uh, and I think they can even make things like dicey against Buffalo too. So uh, I, I'm just glad that, you know, just for our own entertainment, this uh, Ravens offense has figured it out because I think that, you know, they got a chance to win a game in the playoffs and we can finally – and that dumb Lamar narrative that he will never win a playoff game at 23 years old. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he, he turns 24 January 7th. Uh, and I mean, this guy, I, I don't know, but like every time I watch the Ravens, I sort of think like, man, they don't even trust Lamar enough. You know, like they they are not putting enough of the game on him at, at like the guy won an MVP and, and it seems like they were sort of trying to coddle him and, and make things uh try to run the ball downhill sort of just keep things a little more simple than they need to they they have an electric player that can really change games steven did they do anything differently in in recent weeks uh i know that you in your take dump this morning you pulled out a chart that you had actually when you were talking about why the ravens offense was broken you diagnosed that they were not running outside the tackles as much as they did a year ago and that has totally flipped uh so tell me about those numbers what you saw there but then are they doing anything else to to make this offense work better besides the the different personnel the yeah things that they have? i think the run game is where the biggest turnaround has happened and it's not necessarily that they haven't been running outside of the tackles where like they're calling those plays i think defenses were just doing a good job of keeping the ball out of Lamar's hands early in the season. And usually when Lamar keeps it on a, on a option type play, he's going to be going outside of the tackle. And I think they've been running more of these bash plays. And we, this is a concept we've covered. Chuck has tweeted about it before, but it's basically like you're reversing the roles for the running back and the quarterback on a read option type play where the quarterback will keep the ball and run up the, the middle if the uh, defensive end stays put. But if right. he crashes down to take Lamar, which is, I mean, if I'm a defensive team, I'm, I want the ball out of Lamar's hands no matter what. So there's kind of reversing those roles. So now the running back is getting those outside carries and obviously a running back is going to do well in open space when there's not a lot of tacklers around to get them. So I think that's really improved the offense and like the EPA numbers haven't changed on those runs. Like they're still averaging the same amount of EPA on runs that get outside. It's just that they're happening at such a higher rate. Like I think it's 75% of their runs are getting outside of the tackle. Whereas when I wrote that original article in October, that that number was at 57. So that's a pretty big jump. And I think that's had a lot to do with how the run game has gotten back to the level it was in 2019. Uh, You mentioned that the Ravens just despite looking better are still a, a, a dark horse to the Chiefs, uh, which may be surprising to people because the Chiefs had a lot of problems yesterday with uh, a not good Falcons team. Charles, I know you watched that game closely. Uh, what would you diagnose is going on with the Chiefs? I mean, we've seen this is not the first time that the Chiefs have have seemingly, quote unquote, played down to their competition. Um, 
but you watch this one closely. What did you see? Is there reason for concern? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes just kind of had an off game. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like I thought just for him, that honestly might be like the worst game I've seen him play since uh, he got into the league. I mean, he only threw one interception, but honestly, he probably could have thrown like at least three because there was one. Uh, the Falcon defensive lineman dropped that hit him in the hands, and then you had the one that AJ Terrell dropped. Uh, I guess that was before the game winning touchdown, right? To uh, it was the play right before, yeah, the, the play right before, yeah, in, t- in typical Falcons fashion, uh, <laughs> an interception that would have ended the game with less than two minutes left turned into a touchdown on the very next play. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was just like a kind of a sloppy game from a sloppy game from Mahomes. I mean. Reed and Bienemy and you know whoever is orchestrating their play calling, uh, they, they they had some guys open and Mahomes was just straight up missing them. So uh, I, I guess like the lesson here is if we're going to keep continuing the the you know Team X provide the blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs. I guess it's just you know <laughs> hope Patrick Mahomes misses a few guys and uncharacteristically goes like colorblind. Uh, that's really all you got. Because, I mean, yeah, the Falcons, they definitely had a chance to win this game. Like I, I think that the Falcons put together a better effort than uh, the Saints did last week. But, you know, it just wasn't enough. Like, you, you, you play everything right, and uh, you almost get the interception to win the game. And then on the next play, Patrick Mahomes throws a dime like 30 yards down the field to Demarcus Robinson for the touchdown. And uh, that was the end of the game. And then the Falcons miss a field goal uh, uh, to to lose and, you know, keep the tank going. So, you know, I was uh, I was uh, int- intrigued by the result as a Falcons fan. And, you know, I, I guess – that was a good defensive performance for them, but a lot of it just had to come down to uh, Mahomes was just not sharp, uh, and they still won because he did a Mahomes play at the end of the game. What are if we took all the blueprints that were supposedly created this year for the Chiefs and uh, for stopping the Chiefs? Like, what actually remains? I mean, it's it's mostly just like have Patrick Mahomes not be Patrick Mahomes for an entire game, which is impossible. Uh, you could have a Bosa on your defensive line who has a really good game, like that somewhat works. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, like what, yesterday, the Chiefs, the Chiefs took like eleven penalties against the Raiders, right? That was yeah. that's like there is what it. There's no blueprint. Yeah, I mean, like, Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell had great games yesterday. Like, they still lost. So, right. uh, I, I mean, it, it's just – you have to just play a perfect game literally from start to finish to beat this team and hope that they, you know, shoot themselves in the foot at the same time. The Falcons almost got there, but, uh, like I said, they gave up the touchdown on the last play of the game. So, yeah, I, like, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about the Chiefs. I mean – I think what's interesting is that they're still finding ways to win, even when they're not playing perfect games from start to back. And right. I'm sure like once we get into the playoffs and they open up the playbook even more uh, than they have this year, I'm sure they're just going to be as deadly as they ever were. That's right. the that's the funny thing about the blueprint talk is like all of these blueprint games, the Chiefs have won them. <laughs> right, the right. only one they lost was when they committed a, a billion penalties. Right. And that's not a blueprint. Like, right. Steve and, and I... Oh, go ahead, man. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I agree with Chuck. Like, I think this is just like a case of them not opening the playbook yet. And like, why would they open the playbook? They're 14 and one. They're defending Super Bowl champs. Like, they know 
what they have on offense. They know that defenses are going to try to find this magical blueprint. So why give defenses answers to their answers when you don't have to until the playoffs? And I like the one thing I would say about the Falcons, what they did yesterday is they did take away deep shots. There were, yeah. weren't a lot of deep plays like in structure and they did seem to be getting some pressure on Mahomes. Like they were sending some, some blitzes at him, some different uh, simulated pressures. And it, like, that's something they did against the Bucks in the first half last week. So maybe that's something they can build upon going forward. I just don't think it means anything for the chiefs, especially right. this season. Yeah. Like, what, what does that mean though, to open the, uh, like, uh, you know, we, we saw a play yesterday where Mahomes, the snap went past Mahomes. The, I mean, I don't even remember what happened, but the ball was pitched around like three times and then somebody tried to throw up Mahomes. Like, uh, the, I'm not counting that as opening the playbook. That's like just a gimmick play that they just threw at the they're, wall. They're like, doing that all the time. So, like, you're saying that they're hiding, like, other concepts that they that they can use to beat what they're seeing from defenses. I mean, that Andy Reid is holding back things like broader things that he can do with this offense. Like it's just a tinfoil hat theory of mine, but like, I don't even know if it's broader things. I think it's just like, instead of we usually have this guy run this concept on or this route in this concept on third down, like maybe in the playoffs, we'll have him run a counter to that. And we don't want to put that on film in a week 15, 16 game against the Falcons. Like, why would we use that against the Falcons when we could save that for possibly the bills or the Super Bowl? Right. Uh, you, you're such a, you're such a uh, careful, calculated writer who's like tried to stay away from uh, sort of old school, old timey prevailing narratives, uh, the likes of which we see always this time of year. And one of those would be like, oh, the Chiefs, they, they, they're going to turn it on in the playoffs. Uh, and you kind of, you kind of wrote about that. Like as long as they can flip that switch in the playoffs uh, that you, you think no one can touch them. Like, can they, can they do that? Like, is there any danger of them since they've sort of uh, been able to, to lollygag at points during the season? Uh, Is there any danger that they're not going to be able to do that? Like, I'm, interested in your thoughts i mean at a certain point we're like getting into like psychology but i mean they've been able to flip that switch whenever they've had to do it in the regular season it's like kind of like they've been toying with teams for the first three and a half quarters and then we saw it against the falcons on sunday when they needed a drive the drive looked easy as hell like obviously there was aj terrell drop mixed in but every other play there was like no resistance whatsoever including the the game winning touchdown which was I mean, Demarcus Robinson got as open as you can expect him to get open right. on that play. Right. Uh, yeah. And you, you shared a great clip in there that is uh, a little bit what sort of along the lines of what you were talking about is that uh, Reed was, uh, you know, he was noticing the, all the attention on Hill. And you've written a ton about that before that, that Hill and uh, Kelsey take up so much attention that other guys can spring open. But Reed sort of set the trap on that. He was he, he let Hill get covered uh, one way for a lot of the game, and then that's that opened up that space, and he really was wide open uh, for the touchdown pass, Robinson. Um, yeah, uh, you guys, you're still like like what's what's your feeling on the like how sure are you that the Chiefs are the team this year? Uh, is it the most sure you've ever been watching an NFL season, or where are you on that? Uh, I it's for me it's the most sure I've ever been. I mean, wow. What 
who who's the challenger? I, I don't think they yeah. have a real one in the AFC. I guess in the NFC, uh, maybe the Packers. But like, I I would I think Mahomes would like destroy that defense. Uh, so I, I, until someone else is put is putting together, you know, like winning games when they're just playing like crap, uh, and when they when they're on, like they're gonna score a guaranteed forty points. I don't really know who who's who's taking this on right and i think this is like more of a a commentary on the state of the rest of the nfl rather than the chiefs like i don't think the chiefs are like so much better than they were last year and we weren't having the same conversation last year but like chuck said like who's number two and all the teams that you could put in that discussion have some questions at quarterback outside of the packers and then with the packers you have the mike petton problem and what that defense is going to do against the Chiefs offense. And this is probably their reputation preceding them because I don't know if I was I would be so bullish on the Chiefs if last year hadn't happened already, but last year did happen. And this is basically the same team. They brought back, I think, every starter. So I have no reason to worry. I've seen this team do it before. We know they can win in the playoffs. We know they can fall behind and spot the Texans 24 points and make it up in a quarter. Like, I'm not going to overreact to even – a month's worth of underperformances. All right, let's uh, let's work through the other takes here. The Dolphins, uh, you guys might may have seen the Saturday night game. Uh, there's there's a a nice post about it on For the Win uh, that went went quite viral because Ryan Fitzpatrick basically had his helmet twisted in front of his face and somehow still managed to complete a pass. Uh, that's Fitz magic for you, I guess. Uh, that has sparked some debate about the future. What's going to happen with the Dolphins' quarterback situation? Because Tua was benched. Uh, you know, is he struggling? I, I think, as you wrote today, Stephen, like he's a young player. Young players go through struggles. There's still a lot uh, that portends he'll be a, a good quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but as we said, the Dolphins right now are in position to draft at number three and Steven, you have a pretty uh, decisive take on what they should do with that pick. Yeah. I think they should draft a quarterback and I like to, uh, I think he's going to be a good starter at the very least, but I, I think until you find your starting quarterback and the dolphins have enough pieces in place where they, I don't think they need to hone in on any position. I think you just keep trying to find your quarterback because that if you do find that guy, he's going to make up for, whatever uh, minimal holes you have on the rest of the roster. Like everyone's mocking the tackle from Oregon to them, but I mean, you can get by without a great tackle. I don't think you need to use that pick. You can't get by without a great quarterback or you can't build like a long-term winner. You could go on these little spurts like we've seen for the bears, like we saw from the Jaguars. But if you don't have a dude at quarterback, then it's hard to maintain a winner. And I think based on everything this Dolphins front office has done over the last couple of years, I think they at least understand that premise. And the fact that the coaching staff is willing to yank to a, in the middle of a very important playoff game or game with playoff implications that was only a field goal game at the time i think it shows that they're willing to challenge Tua. and i included a tweet in there from greg rosenthal i think he said normalize treating quarterbacks like adults and i i totally agree with that like why did we treat blake bortles with kid gloves for all those years it set the jaguars back the bears did the same with trubisky uh you could say the eagles did it with carson wentz these last couple of years 
I think it's good to bring in competition. It's the most important position. And until they solve it, they should keep trying to throw resources at it. Charles, how do you feel about that? You're, you're a guy who appreciates line play, I feel. Like you're, you know, former lineman. You know that uh, yeah, the, the trenches matter, man. What Fight Steven on this. I mean, I, 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 I agree. Like, oh, it, man. But no, I'm but, never going to get you guys to, to, to disagree on anything. Like, no, but seriously, like these quarterbacks, they they like play a different game than everyone else, and right. they should they should feel that pressure. Like if you don't perform, uh, then you should absolutely like have someone brought to, brought brought into uh, potentially take your job. I mean, it's like in the NFL, you, you only have like so many games to actually get this thing right, and it just blows my mind like historically when you see teams just sit around with these lousy quarterbacks and i'm not saying that uh tua is next in line but uh i i think that it's good to just give the rest of your team reassurances that like hey like we're not just going to stick with the guy just to stick with him uh if we see an opportunity to potentially get better quarterback play then we're going to go after it and i think that that's one of the the good things about having a guy like ryan fitzpatrick on the bench is you know, like maybe a lot of times it's going to be horrible for you and it's not going to work out. But other times he can hit like a 40 yard pass while he's getting brought down by his face. <laughs> it's going to be a perfect dime uh, to help you win a game. And maybe like it, maybe it's a discussion like the type of back quarterbacks you want to have on your 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 uh, bench. So maybe if you have a starting quarterback, you don't want someone that you think it's like the next paid Manny just sitting behind him, but like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type that, you know, can come in and, you know, give enough of a push that the, the starting guy is, uh, you know, just on his toes and trying to get better all the time. I, I think that that's good in the NFL. We always see, you know, if a running back fumbles a pass or fumbles the ball, then uh, they're going to get yanked. Or if a defensive lineman jumps off sides, they're going to get yanked and, and stuff like that. Like that happens all the time. So, why can't quarterbacks feel the same pressure that everybody else feels? Yeah. Uh, you wrote that about Daniel Jones a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's obviously true. And especially yeah. for like the mid tier of quarterbacks that like, it's just not. Uh, it makes no sense not to have someone that can press right. a little bit. Like, you know, the, I, I, the yeah. And you're going to have teams that have an opportunity to really add someone like that. This offseason, like the Giants are one. Uh, the Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater should be one. Uh, Washington should be one if they ended up winning the division. Uh, you know, uh, Denver should absolutely be one. So, like, you also you have teams where you're just kind of sitting around with this guy who, like, maybe could be the guy. But if you don't know, then you should still be looking to add resources and add competition for him. Right. Yeah, you don't want to end up like the Broncos did this year, where they just won <laughs> five game sample size. They were like, oh, Drew Locke. And it wasn't even impressive if you watched on tape. But that was enough for them to decide that we don't need to bring in competition for a second round pick who has a lot of flaws. And we've seen where they're at this season and they're going to have to, if they don't find a quarterback next year, they're probably going to waste a very good young roster. That's not going to be on rookie contracts in a couple of years. I think the dolphins are under that same time limit. Right. Yeah. Remember man, going into the season, we were so excited to watch the, the Broncos offense. <laughs> and it's just like, has never, never come together uh, fully. Uh, 
we talked about the Ravens being a team that is putting things together uh, now late in the season. Uh, I think that's sort of the narrative around the Seahawks. Like things are coming together at the right time uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the defense is playing a little bit better. They have Russell Wilson. Like, uh, I don't know. You know, it's in a, in a, as you said, the it's not like the NFC is as set as the AFC. The, the Saints, Packers, they're fine, but they're they're pretty flawed uh, in multiple spots. So, seems like the Seahawks could make a run. But you declared them frauds today. Uh, tell me about your thinking, Stephen. Well, I'll say this: at at that point, I think it was the last take in there. I'm just I'm struggling for takes at this point <laughs> in the season. <laughs> like when I'm writing the take them, I'm like that. You know that video, that meme that goes around, and it like eighty percent of the time it's used to make fun of Juju Smith Schuster, where like it's the kid dancing and crying. <laughs> that's like me writing the take dump at this point in the season. I'm just like over it. But yeah, I, I mean, I wonder what our perception of the Seahawks would be if Seahawks Twitter wasn't such a loud presence on on NFL Twitter and like they like shape a lot of the discussion. Like the Seahawks are a team that has like one impressive win all season and that came yesterday. Their most impressive win before that was probably them blowing out the Jets. But last week, this team almost lost to a Washington team that just benched its quarterback for, I don't even know his first name, Heineke. I don't even know how to pronounce his second <laughs> his last name, and I refuse to learn it because he's not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> like, we're, that, we're six days removed from them needing a defensive stand to beat Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I, not good. Did you did you say that the Seahawks' only impressive win was yesterday, the one against the Rams? Yes, but I'm, do you have another one? No, I'm just I'm, I'm wondering how impressive. I mean, Jared Goff was so bad. I mean, I know that maybe they made him bad, but like he was awful yesterday. It just oh, that's just Jared Goff at this point. And uh, I mean, they still beat a good defense, I would say. Although, right, I think the offense still looks disjointed. I know they looked a little better in the second half, but. There's still a lot of issues with that offense. I I'm not buying the Seahawks. Do, are any of you guys buying that they could make a run into the Super Bowl? No, no. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I mean, maybe if like Russell Wilson gets hot, and which I, you know, I mean that's always possible because he's, yeah. he's very good. But I don't think they look like a better team than the Packers right now. Uh, and it, it's weird. I mean, and but the thing with like talking about the NFC to me is like. It almost feels like a waste of time because, like, who 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 is in here slowing down the Chiefs? Like, who, who like when you get to the, the Super Bowl, you get to you get to the playoffs starting. I'm like, who is one of these teams that I feel good about as like a Super Bowl, a legit Super Bowl team to beat the Chiefs? I think it's only the Saints and the Packers that I could like realistically envision having a chance against them. And this yeah. must be what it felt like for NBA writers to cover the league when like the Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors were like, nothing matters except for the Chiefs. Like I don't care about any other game, like what teams are doing. Like it doesn't matter. Like the only way the Chiefs aren't winning is if they lay an A, which is possible because it's the NFL, but it's the Chiefs and everyone else. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the, the it's just like it's like you guys were saying earlier that the your faith in the Chiefs is more an indictment of the rest of the league. Like my suspicion that the Seahawks have as much chance as the Packers or Saints is just an indictment of those two teams because neither one of them, you know, like we saw Breeze is is 
rocky. He's just not he's not the quarterback he was. He's up and down. And the Packers have so many flaws. Like their the defense is not great. The uh, you know, Rodgers has not had a lot of weapons. Uh so I don't know, man. Uh I feel like the NFC is a little open, but yeah, I guess my my take is just that like I don't like like Chuck said I just like don't care. <laughs> I'm not using my brain power to contemplate this, this problem. Uh, yeah, well, let's talk about the NFC East then because that's that's something to care about. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll say this: I'd be I'd be less surprised if an NFC East team upset the the Seahawks in the first round of the playoffs than I would if the Seahawks made the the play, uh, Super Bowl. I think that's fair. I think we've we've been calling the NFC East team winning a playoff game though for a while. That's like a very popular like this weird thing is going to happen uh, prediction. So, uh, Charles, you wrote about this this morning. Uh, the Eagles are the only team uh, out of the race for the NFC East title, uh, and it's still possible that the six and ten New York Giants could end up winning uh, the the NFC East and and. To you, that that feels like what we deserve, right? That's, that's yeah. what we need this year. I mean, after all the crap that NFC East has put us through this year, <laughs> uh, I think that they deserve the stain of a uh, 6-10 and 10 division champion, which I think, yeah, the only team that can do that is the Giants. Uh, so the Giants win and Washington loses. Uh, so yeah, the Giants beat the Cowboys and the Eagles beat Washington. Then the Giants will make the playoffs. At six and ten, which is just horrifying, uh, but I feel like that's what this year needs to end on. Just we'll we'll, we'll end the twenty twenty season with uh, the six and ten Giants making the playoffs, and you know it, instead of having a borderline top ten pick like they should, they will be picking in the twenties, and they'll be stuck with uh, this. They'll likely be stuck with this offensive group for another year because it's really hard to get a quarterback when you're drafting. Uh, in the 20s, and it would just be perfect that in a year where they need to add quarterback competition, they win one crappy game to put them into playoffs. And uh, right, right now, if they make the playoffs, it looks like they'll be playing Tampa Bay, which we've already seen before this year. But I also think the Giants' offense might be worse now than it was when they were playing Tampa Bay, which is somehow <laughs> just it's baffling to think about. But uh, yeah, with as, as bad the NFC East has been, let's just get the Giants in the playoffs and uh, let them get blown out or just barely scraped by a loss uh, to Tampa Bay in the first round. Because I mean, I feel like none of these none of these options are very you know appealing. Washington, Dallas, New York, none of them are, no. are interesting watches. So let's just put the one. Uh, let's get the one in that most embarrassing for the league as a whole. And I think that's the Giants of six and 10. Speaking <laughs> of Washington, did you guys see the tweet about why Alex Smith's calf strain is like giving him so many issues? Cause they used it to like recreate <laughs> other parts of his leg. Right. Right. Like, how is this okay? Like, how are we watching this unfold? And we're just like, not only are we like saying it's okay. We're like treating it as like a heartwarming story and it's not, it's deranged. It's sick. You know, do you know that the actually the entirety of the season is being played in the middle of a pandemic that has killed three hundred thousand Americans, <laughs> and and caused a full, a Florida basketball player to to just fall uh, uh, and and pass out on the court and with a heart issue, and we're just, we're just still going, man. Yeah, we're just still. It's all fine. It's all fine. It's, it's, everything's, everything's ignore the scientists. Everything's fine. 
Oh, Someone's been uh, listening to <laughs> Shelly Meyer. <laughs> uh, well, she is a nurse, something or other, who who completely got her job at Ohio State uh, just through um, through her own merits. Yeah, hard work entirely. determination. Yes, yeah. Hard work and determination. No question. Uh, the Browns, man. The Browns are... Uh, uh, we've never believed in the Browns here. We've uh, Stephen has been slandering the Browns all season. That's uh, but but we thought they'd make the playoffs. Like they had a pretty clear path. They had Kevin Stefanski did a good job, got the Browns in position to return to the playoffs for the first time since two thousand two. Where were you guys in two thousand two? Two thousand two, I was eight years old. Eight years old. I was. Yeah. What grade was I in? I can't remember. And I should remember this because this was when Maryland won the national championship in basketball. That's like my, one of my first sports, real sports memories. I, w- I was covering Penn State football for the student newspaper uh, at Penn State. So uh, Larry Johnson was running for thousands of yards and almost winning the Heisman. Uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, the Browns were. Uh, Larry Johnson, not the biggest fall from grace from that Penn State era. <laughs> Certainly among um, them, though. <laughs> yeah. Sandusky had retired in 99, man. He was just around hanging out with kids. I didn't name I names. I didn't name names. <laughs> like, I think people know about Jay I want to know Larry Johnson's take on that. No, I don't. I no, don't. No, I you, don't. Do not, you do not want any of Larry Johnson's takes. Takes no. on anything. <laughs> no, I... I feel bad for Larry John. I, I hope that uh, he gets some help because he clearly needs it. Uh, yeah, I long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, l- long time for the Browns. And now uh, a loss to the Jets. Uh, just a, a, an ugly loss. As we said, they, they were without their top four wide receivers and two starting linemen. Uh, that's linemen. So the offense was at a huge disadvantage uh, and could not really get anything going, but they did have a chance at the end. I mean, they, they also had to start a walk on at quarterback. It was the biggest <laughs> obstacle they had overcome. No. Uh, and, and Baker Mayfield fumbles the ball on, was it fourth and one, I guess. It yeah, uh, just does not bring the ball with him when he's trying to get the yard that he needs, less than a yard that he needs. Uh, and that's the end of the game. And now uh, the, the Browns still control their own destiny. Uh, they are, if they win against the Steelers in week 17, they are in the playoffs. Uh, they'll get a wild card spot. Uh, and, and the Steelers have clinched uh, their division and cannot win the AFC. So, you know, who knows uh, if the Steelers will rest players or, or what their motivation will be at this point. But the Browns, uh, they have a 57% chance of making the playoffs according to uh, 538, which might make people in Cleveland feel feel good, right? 57, better than 50%. Uh, that's the lowest of all the teams going for it. The Ravens are at 93%. Colts are at 84 The Colts are right now in the number eight spot. Uh, but the way this all could shake out, the Browns, uh, if they lose, have a very slim chance of making it. Uh, man, this is just this is just the Browns. This is like the Browns just do this. They, they just they break hearts every year. Yep. And... Wait, so if they beat the Steelers, they're in. They're in. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I guess the question there is, like, will the Steelers be sitting their starters? Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like that. 
Good question. Because if if Pittsburgh is starting their guy, I I don't see how Browns win that game. Just because, I mean, last time they played the starters, it was thirty eight seven, and I don't know if the Steelers are capable of scoring thirty eight points anymore. But uh, they definitely have the defense to shut down the Browns. Uh, so you know, I think that it's going to be tough for them to get in there. But I I, I think that. They have a good chance if they try out like Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph next week. That's probably their best chance, uh, right? To to get into the playoffs and the Colts, but but like they have to win that game pretty much because the Colts have a layup against um, the Jaguars, who have I think completely checked out of mm. the season. For I mean, for for, for like. Why not check out the season? You're, you're, like, you're <laughs> one in fourteen. Like who cares at this point? You locked up the number one pick. Mission accomplished. Uh, I would expect the Colts to win that game. But man, it would just be funny in a sad way, I guess. If you're a Browns fan, funny in a funny haha way for the rest of us. If uh, the Browns got the ten and six and didn't make the playoffs, and you're like both times that the Browns got their closest to make the playoffs since 2002, they had double digit wins, which is normally enough to get you in there. Right. Uh, for what it's worth, Vegas seems to think that the Steelers will probably be sitting players because Cleveland is a six and a half point favorite right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so and that makes sense because like this is different this year, and the number two seed doesn't get uh, right. They don't. They don't get the first round buy. So you kind of have to make up your own buy uh, usually in week seventeen if you're not going to get it, which they aren't because uh, Kansas City already locked the one seed. And yeah, and home field advantage doesn't even matter. So it's probably like yeah. the best case scenario for the Browns, who likes are finally starting to feel like the Browns of old, where the first iteration of the Browns, they were actually kind of good, I think. They like made the playoffs and, and that's when they suffered their heartbreaking losses. But this new Browns is just <laughs> terrible. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 actually a new era in Browns football. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're teasing the playoffs. Mike Tomlin says they'll ponder those possibilities in the morning about. <laughs> <laughs> so they're pondering right now as we speak. <laughs> pondering. I love it. Mike Tomlin's great. He's, 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 his press conferences are good. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, poor Browns, man. Like they're 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 going to give Baker Mayfield a contract, right? Like we've said this before in the show. They're, like Stefanski, we're we're going to be talking about Stefanski the same way we now talk about McVeigh and Shanahan, trying to elevate this guy, trying to make him into something more than he is, and they're not going to have the money to to surround him with players because he's going to get whatever ten percent of the salary cap, ten fifteen percent, and we're just going to be stuck in this cycle. Poor Cleveland Browns. Yeah, this feels like the year they have to capitalize on, and if they don't. I mean, I'm not so sure that it's going to look as good as it does this year, next year. Yeah. Um, I think that's a perfect segue to get us into talking about Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Stephen wrote this last week. I have to find this Uh, headline. Play action is such a cheat code. It's helping Mitchell Trubisky put up franchise QB numbers. Uh, so this uh, this discussion has been going on now for for a little bit uh, because Mitch Trubisky returned to the lineup and has been pretty good for the Bears. And the Bears are in position right now to uh, make the playoffs. They they are sitting in the number seven spot, the extra playoff spot in the NFC. Um, if Arizona wins, they can jump into that spot. So. Uh, the Bears 
Wait, let me let me check this to make sure. I'm, I want to get my math right here. Uh, oh, so the Bears have to beat the Packers, uh, the, the, and the Packers could still be playing for the number one seed. Uh, you know, they they have not wrapped it up, so they need to win um, to to get the buy and and home field advantage. So uh, the Packers are probably not in that position where they will be resting players. You would think. Um, so either the bears need to beat the Packers or have the Cardinals lose to the Rams uh, in order to secure their postseason spot. And the Cardinals need to beat the Rams to make it in. Um, so that is sort of the NFC East situation. Um, so there's now talk about like, has Trubisky earned something more long-term and Steven, I, f- I feel like your answer is a resounding no, but uh, take us through the, the discourse that you're seeing and, and why you uh, find it so laughable. <laughs> oh, it's, it's definitely no, but I'm secretly hoping inside that they do sign him <laughs> because I think that would be best for content purposes and just laughing at the bears for making a mistake that like everyone knows is a mistake outside of Chicago. Like no one, even a lot of bears fans are like, don't do this. But there is a not insignificant portion of Bears fans that actually think that Trubisky is the guy. And I'm assuming those Bears fans watch the games every week. And I've watched the last couple of games just because it's become a thing. Otherwise, I would not be watching the Bears play football. And I mean, he doesn't even look better. Like you can watch the games and you can tell. Like you don't even need like a discerning eye or any level of expertise to to see that this is obviously fake and manufactured by the coaching staff. Like he's running the same five or six passing concepts. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that, like usually we exaggerate when we talk about how teams have these go-to plays. Like if you watch an NFL game, you rarely see the same passing concept more than twice in a game. But with the bears, it's like every week it's the same passing plays. And I just think it's working because they're playing bad defenses and bad defenses are usually run by bad defensive coaching staffs that don't know how to adjust and take away things. So I'm rooting for the bears to make the playoffs just so we could get Mitch on a national stage against a good defense and then see what happens. Charles, what's your take on Mitch Trubisky, man? <sighs> I don't what do you do? I don't, I would, <laughs> I would have punted him to this moon like two years ago. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Look, I, I think it's the, the, the my answer to the Mitch Trubisky discourse is terrible players can outstretch a decent play too. Uh, I mean, you, you got this far to the NFL for a reason. Like we know, Mitch Trubisky can physically throw a football forward, uh, so that will that that alone can get him chances in the NFL just based on how tall he is. Uh, I I think that anyone who's buying the Mitch Trubisky stuff is just kind of crazy. I mean, you're going to throw away this entire sample that we've seen of him over the past few years for like a, a couple of games in a row where he's like really just putting up decent numbers, like not even playing super great football. Uh, and it, it's it's only been like, has he even been four games? Because like even that game against Detroit uh, right. a couple months, a couple weeks ago, wasn't that great. It's like it's you know, it's been a couple games against the Houston and Minnesota and Jacksonville and like, all right, we're gonna re sign Mitch Trubisky. I mean fine. Like I like Steven said, I'd be here for it just because it'd be funny to poke fun at the Bears and Bears fans, but like if you actually believe that this is gonna uh 
turn into him like growing into that number two overall pick that they drafted over Watson and Mahomes. And I, I think you're absolutely nuts. I, I kind of feel like this gets back to the quarterback kid glove treatment uh, thing that we were talking about earlier. Like, and I think what made me think about this was Robert Mays, I believe, was saying like, uh, I, I get that everyone knows Trubisky's bad, but do the Bears really have better options? And like smart people like Mina Kimes and Bill Barnwell were chiming in like, oh, that's kind of a good point. Uh and they were saying something like, oh, if it's not a long term, if they don't commit long term, then maybe it's the best option. Uh, but that is like, again, that's just not something that happens. Like with quarterbacks, it's just they get to the end of the rookie deal and you pay them a ton of money. That's just how it's gone. Uh, so I don't I don't see a scenario where the Bears are the team that can finally say like, well, we want you to be our quarterback for a little bit but we're going to pay you reasonably. Like that just doesn't happen with quarterbacks. Um, so do you, I mean, it, do you see any scenario like that where they could like tepidly step forward with Trubisky for a few years and make it work? Or, I mean, they just need to cut ties, right? Like this. Yeah. You start over, start right. over. And like the, 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 the response that I give to people who are like, well, what are you going to do if you don't do Trubisky? Who cares? It's just, it's, <laughs> right. the answer is, is not Trubisky. And, that's and there, the there are guys out there. I mean, right. the Patriots signed Cam Newton like right before the season for a million bucks. Jameis Winston makes a million bucks. Like and there are, there are, you wrote about Marcus Mariota recently. Like there are guys out there who you can plug in and who can do a Mitch Trubisky impression, you know? Like it's, right. It's, it's, it's like, I don't need to have an answer for you this very second on who is going to be the, the Bears quarterback in 2021. Uh, but it's as long as not Trubisky is the first step in the answer, then you're doing something right. And, and it, like maybe you get a quarterback that sucks, just like Trubisky does too. But <laughs> but I mean, you're trying something different, and I think that that's the most important thing. Just not trying the same old thing. And I mean, you're probably going to be stuck with Nick Foles on your roster, just because yeah. that, that contract was just so impulsive and weird and not good. Uh, <laughs> That you you might as well like try bringing someone with like like an actual uh, ceiling in the NFL that can be you know maybe a, a top ten guy and I don't think Trubisky is that guy so you just try something different and if that doesn't work hey you try something different again and maybe you lose your job along the way but I think that's better than just anchoring yourself in Mitch Trubisky yeah it's like the same mistake the Jaguars made in 2017 when they fooled themselves into. They outbidded. No, no one else was going to bid for Blake Bortles, and they ended up right. signing him to a big deal. And it seems like the Bears are just following the Jaguars' blueprint step for step. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a like a two or three year extension for Trubisky, paying him like sixteen million. Which, I mean, I just can't wait for that day, just for the tweets alone. But like the lesson they should be learning or taking away from this little stretch is that it's not that oh Trubisky can succeed if we put the right offense around him, it's like literally anybody could succeed in this offense. So why are we going to waste any amount of money on Mitch Trubisky when we could just sign like Marcus Mary, a, a guy like Marcus Mariota off the street. And he could probably do these things. Like Chuck said, like we know Mitch Trubisky can throw a football forward. And that's basically what he's being asked to do. Anybody could do that. Sometimes he doesn't even throw it forward. A lot of his passes are behind the line of scrimmage. Man. That's a good so. point. Like this stretch has been built on passes to the flat. Right. Basically. And they've just worked. But 
any quarterback who started in the NFL over the last couple of years, like including Mike Glennon or Nick Foles could probably run this offense. Yeah. Oh man. We are talking about Mitch Trubisky in week, week 16. What, what is going on here? Uh, let's, uh, let's turn things completely and talk about who the MVP should be. Yeah, um, this year has been pretty weird for a, a variety of reasons, but it's come down to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I don't know. Do you guys have a strong feeling one way or the other? It feels to me like this is just a debate about what the award means in, in a lot of ways. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best football player in the NFL, but I think Aaron Rodgers has probably meant more to his team. So it's it's just a question of sort of how you view it. But what do you guys think? Steve, you can go. Oh, man, I was trying not to go. I mean, you're, the, you're the one who suggested this topic, Steve. Yeah, but I suggested because everyone was getting riled up about it on Twitter yesterday. And like, I, All right, so, I'm, not, I'm not getting well, riled up over yeah, it. Yeah, I don't care. I'll just say that I don't care. Maybe I'm just like. Our take is don't get riled up about this, everybody. I think that you can go right either way. Like, I get both sides of the argument. I think their efficiency numbers are the same, but the argument on – Roger's side is he doesn't have the weapons that right, right. that uh, Mahomes has, which, I mean, I think it's at least debatable. He has a better offensive line. He has better running backs. He has maybe the best receiver in the league. I wouldn't go that far, but a lot of people believe he is. Uh, and then the argument for Mahomes is that, like, he's he's just been just as efficient as Rodgers, but he's done it with more volume, which I do think counts for something like when you're being asked to throw more and you're still just as efficient as a guy who isn't throwing nearly as much as Mahomes is it matters so yeah I'll go either way and maybe quarterback wins ends up being the deciding factor and if that's the case like I, I don't mind I, I'm not going to get angry either way yeah Charles still still no takes uh I mean I, I think the most interesting thing to me if when you look at these uh, look at the numbers for uh, the MVP and who will be between Mahomes and Rogers is like the, a funny dark thing is like Watson is next to them, like all these numbers. And, you know, maybe we should just give it to him to really get people riled up because they're going to be, uh, you know, probably four and 12 with not their own draft pick uh, in next year's draft. And we should just preemptively give him this award for, uh, for next year because he's probably going to be carrying them. Uh, he's probably going to be carrying the Texans again. So I guess my take is, uh, wow, Deshaun Watson is balling this year, and uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, so maybe maybe, maybe the, the actual MVP take is how valuable are quarterbacks really if someone like Deshaun Watson can play just as well as Mahomes and Rodgers this year, and it doesn't matter. I love it. I love that. <laughs> like, yeah, if we were really giving out this award based on the name of the award, Deshaun Watson sure wouldn't it? Yeah, no question. This team is negative three and and sixteen right now. If he's not on that team, like they have, <laughs> somehow they have negative wins. I'm sorry. Like he's he's been maybe the best quarterback in the NFL, and they have four wins. Like we have to revisit this discussion about how valuable quarterbacks are, especially when a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky is now winning, and Baker Mayfield is like Mitch Trubisky might be in the playoffs, and Deshaun Watson won't. So uh, if we have to revisit that uh, discussion, what about your earlier in the show? You said that the Dolphins need to draft QBs because that's the smart thing to do. Uh, you just keep adding QBs until you find the right one. Uh, it, how do we square those? Like, What, what is this? Are you springing gotcha questions on me now? 
Yeah, I am. That's, Damn it. Uh, I don't know. I changed whatever I say just to, to make the interesting <laughs> take. Is that what you want to hear? Uh, I'll say whatever I wanted, I wanted the truth and, and I got it. So, uh, yeah. No, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll be our summer project. Maybe we know what we're going to dig into this summer. Uh, how, how, how much to really value quarterbacks uh, and what it means when a guy like Deshaun Watson can play so well and be so bad. But, I mean, Bill O'Brien really destroyed that franchise, man. Like, I don't, I don't think we can hold that up as an example of, of any other of any other situation. It's just so – the guy traded DeAndre Hopkins away for nothing. So, yeah. Uh, unless you're a fantasy player, I guess – I guess uh, – I, I guess the, the running back he got had a good fantasy day yesterday. I, I saw people on Twitter saying that. So Oh, David Johnson, was he's back? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he had a good I, – I mean – I'm pretty sure people were saying that he was winning them championships. Uh, so uh, that and that game was actually interesting, but it just is so meaningless. The the Texans Bengals game that I just couldn't actually watch it. Uh, all right, what else do we have left to talk about? I feel like we've gone through a lot. What, what's the oh the playoff hunt? Uh, let's just let's just sort of round it out here. Let's end the show by by looking a little bit ahead to the week. We will obviously preview week 17 in our show on Thursday. Um, but there's uh, there are seven open spots. Uh, the only only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have actually clinched a wild card spot. And meanwhile, there are only two divisions that have not been clinched. The AFC South, where it's the Titans or the Colts, and then the NFC East, which we've talked about. Uh, but there really isn't that much uh, variance uh, to, to which teams could get in. It's either the, the Colts could knock out a, a team. You know, the Colts could conceivably still win, and the Titans would then bump down into the wild card grouping, and that could knock the Browns out. Uh, and then in the, in the NFC East, it's really only the Cardinals that could jump up uh, and knock the Browns or uh, yeah, the Browns, the bears out. Um, I can't even separate those two teams in my mind. Uh, so it's not really like there's not, there's some drama going into week 17, but it's not a ton. Uh, how do you guys think it'll shake out? Uh, I think that, I think it's going to stay how it is. I don't think the Steelers are going to play their starters. So I think the, the Browns are going to get in. And then uh, I don't know about the Packers game. Cause I, I, I know they have to play for a one seed, but I could see the Packers like realizing that they have it sewn up mm. in the fourth quarter. And somehow the bears are close enough to, to make up for it. But I'm hoping that I know I said earlier, I want to see Mitch like lay an egg on a national stage in the playoffs, but I would rather see the Cardinals, and Rams both get in just because I think they're better football teams. And I'd rather see a game with whether it's the Rams versus the Saints or the Rams versus the Seahawks. I think that's a way better game than whatever we're going to get from the Bears. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything to keep the Bears out. <laughs> Seriously, that's the only thing I'm concerned about. Like I've I, I think that they like like Stephen said, I think the AFC picture is probably going to stay as it is uh, because the Steelers, they already have the division locked up and the chiefs, uh, they already have the division locked up and the chiefs have a, 
locked up the conference. So right. they don't really have anything to play for because they're going to be hosting a home playoff game. It just matters whether they're going to be the two seed or the three seed, which matters in terms of matchups, but not in terms of like location of where you're playing or anything like that. So uh, I think they're probably just going to sit there, guys. And the Vegas line seems to uh, reflect that belief. And yeah, on the flip side, Come on, Cardinals! Like, let's let's get them in uh, and keep the Bears out, and like that's the main thing that I'm um, I'm concerned about because, yeah, I I guess like the only thing that would make the Bears being in there being funny is like if they get in there and they upset the Saints or something like that. But I just don't really see anything like that happening. But you know, I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see the first year of seven seven teams in each uh, conference just because. You know, it's it's you know I was against it at first just because I feel like you had the perfect like symmetry of just mm-hmm. uh, you know play sixteen games, six teams on each side, two teams get a bye. Uh, it just seemed really clean, but we get we get an extra football game on Wild Card Weekend, which is uh, going to be fun. And I think you can pull if you can pull like a two seed into Wild Card Weekend and get us the extra quality team in there. That's going to be uh, a lot of fun. So, but it won't be fun if the Bears make it. I'm messing, I'm messing around with the playoff machine on ESPN, and I feel like you would want to avoid the the seventh seed or the second seed if you're the Bills or Steelers because that's probably going to be the, the team that matches up with the Ravens as opposed to the Dolphins. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm, I'm throwing that game no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, Charles, I have to say you uh, you were really mad at Cliff Kingsbury earlier in the show, but you uh, you know you you have forgiven him. You want him to get into the playoffs. It's, yeah, it shows the type of person you are. Yeah, uh, he's not yeah. Mitch Trubisky. He's not Trubisky, right? Uh, and I, <laughs> I was upset with Cliff uh, for you know allegedly uh, hurting a teaser that I might have put together on Saturday. That's. You know, if there was if there was a source for my anger, I think that would be it. But you know, I didn't do that, so. <laughs> all right, that's all we got for the counter this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Like I said, we'll be back to uh, preview week seventeen, and I don't know, probably more Trubisky. It sounds like Stephen, you're going to write Trubisky again. Is that is if that I have the energy? I don't know. I, I can only write so much about Mr. Biscay in one season. This is the most I've ever written about him, which is the crazy thing because he he was like once a promising quarterback. Yeah. You wrote you wrote about him uh, positively at one point. I remember uh, you thought you thought there was something there, and then it all went yeah, away. That, <laughs> that went away in like a month. Yeah, uh, Charles will have his four verts column tomorrow. Uh, we are still working out what's going to be in there, but that is always a fun read. Uh, and then we'll continue to cover the league throughout the week. Uh, I know Henry McKenna has a piece coming out on the NFL draft picture now. Uh, Charles also wrote about that yesterday. The the Jags have locked into that number one pick and we'll get Trevor Lawrence. So now it really starts with number two and the quarterback debate. Justin Fields uh, sort of leads that pack now, but that could change. So that's uh, going to be a fun thing to look forward to. Uh, so how do you guys want to close it? What, any any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just anybody but Mitch in the playoffs. Anybody, anybody but, but the Bears. That's, that's our point. Yep, that's all I got. Because we already have to deal with the NFC East champ. Come on. That's, that's basically two NFC East champs. 
and I don't want to. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next time. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. 